Hi, welcome to the Understanding Politics podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Ernest Nasto. Dr. Nasto is an accomplished author with experience writing about American politics on Albanian media. Dr. Nasto is the author of the only Albanian language book on American politics, One Nation Under God, Faith and Politics in the United States. Dr. Nasto, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Michael, for inviting me. Uh, it's, it'll be a, pre a pleasure to discuss uh, those issues of uh, understanding politics with you. Uh, before we begin the episode, we wanted to plug our sponsor, Podmatch, which made this interview with Dr. Nasto possible. Podmatch gives the Understanding Politics podcast access to top-notch political guests such as Dr. Nasto. And with the link in our description, you can join today for your own podcast while helping ours in a big way. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Dr. Nasto, to start off, there's a lot of confusion around exactly what socialism is. It's a scary word in American politics. Uh, we were wondering if you could offer your perspective uh, on your definition of socialism and what Americans might get right and wrong about it. Yes, and uh, as we see on all over the, the media here, there are lots of misconceptions about that, uh, that notion of socialism. And I would say, as an introduction, that most of those misconceptions are uh, fed to the American public by uh, basically mostly right-wing media because it, they want to use it as a, as a weapon in the political, in our heated political debates today. And that's why. So they, uh, the, the, the most uh, egregious uh, misconception that I, that I have found so, so far in, a, in our debates is that with the word socialism, Alex, uh, they uh, are, they, it looks like they allude or they mean just one thing and one thing only. And this thing being the Soviet style dictatorship from that was in power, you know, in the right. Soviet Union from 1917 to 1990, and uh, which includes uh, on the political side, dictatorship of one single party, no right. dissent or nothing, no, no, no freedom. And then on the economic side, the central planning where government is in charge of everything, owns, owns all the means of production and takes care of everything that the, the, pop, the, the people need to, 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 to produce and to, to, to consume. It's a central planning, basically economy. That, that's that's the, the the meaning that is is uh, assumed by all this content from uh, right wing media here, conservative media, and this is not correct because I would say that the problem with this uh, definition or, or with this assumption, because it looks like this always it's it's lurking in the in the behind. They, they talk about socialism. Socialism is bad. Socialism is the this and that, but. Uh, it's the is that uh, uh, allusion to the to the Soviet style, which is always there, and I would say this: it's a it's a category error to take a, a complex idea or complex phenomenon like socialism, very broad uh, idea, which has meant several things or different things. I would say to different people in different times 
and then to artificially narrow it in just one meaning and then reject it based on that too narrow meaning. It's like you, you can do that basically with anything, right? You can define, for example, an, auto, auto, an automobile. You can define it as a Yugo 1985. They were, they were notorious for breaking down all the time. And you can say that, oh, I don't want anything to do with automobiles because I know what an automobile is. It's a Yugo. And this is a logical error, basically. So I would say that the, 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 true, uh, uh, the true meaning of the word socialism is that it was uh, an idea that was circulating in Europe in the uh, early 19th century uh, based on the, I mean, the, the, the misery of the working classes in European cities, basically. So the thinkers at that time, they saw that the, the situation was uh, not sustainable and they wanted to avoid the bloodshed uh, like what happened with the French Revolution. So they said that we need to, to change our economic organization to give those people, I mean, to give the working classes some stake in the, in the national economy. And then they, they devised different uh, ways of doing that. I mean, to tax the upper classes and to, to, create, with the, with to, to create more opportunities or, or jobs for the lower classes to take, uh, to, to create better education for the lower classes with those with that kind of redistribution of, of wealth, you know? It was some kind of redistribution. So uh, that was the, the original meaning. And this was uh, much uh, uh, in advance, I mean, a long time uh, before there was anything like uh, U, uh, USSR in the political, <laughs> on the global scene, uh, or things like, uh, uh, Cold War or uh, the communist dictatorships that came later. So that, that, that was the original meaning. And then it changed because uh, the Marxist ideology uh, got into the mix. Uh, there was a violent uh, strand in the socialist movement, which uh, it so happened. I, uh, it was a minority, but they, they, they were a loud minority. And it so happened that the communist fraction of this socialist uh, uh, movement uh, seized power in Russia in 1917, and then the rest is history. It was everything was identified with them, living almost in in uh, uh, forgetting everything almost mm -hmm. about the very powerful socialist movements in Europe, which uh, was integrated in the existing democratic system, and they achieved lots and lots of their objectives through uh, participation in normal democratic process. And that's where the, uh, all the uh, advanced societies uh, of uh, in Western Europe or uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, that's where they originate from. Because it was a mix between uh, capitalist, uh, mode of production and socialist mode of production where uh, you know that capitalism puts the the emphasis on the individual and the socialist way puts the emphasis on the collectivity and the only a healthy mix of that 
of those two assures a society to to flourish and uh, as i said you have this the the example of uh, of your western europe today so that, that was that, that's the the basically a, a short overview of how this came to be and so to reduce that only to to one incarnation which is the soviet type of dictatorship it's a, it's an error yeah uh, Dr. Nasto, you made some really good points there about uh, social democracy. Yes. Something that uh, I'm, I, I do support uh, social democracy. So I was wondering, do you mm -hmm. think, do you think social democracy is the right way to go for most countries, or do you think, do you think there is another chance that countries could try to go fully socialist but not end up in Marxist territory, or do you think? it's too dangerous to try fully socialist or do you think social democracy is already too much into the uh, socialist kind of way of thinking? Uh, I would say, uh, uh, Michael, that uh, social democracy is not too much because social democracy is, is in, a, in a nutshell, is only a capitalist uh, way of organizing the, the production but with a very strong uh, collective uh, component just to 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 keep the excesses of uh, free markets under control to 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 smooth the rough edges and and for that i mean this this can be even uh, uh, more easily uh, understood if we, if we suppose that both systems or both ways are left to their own devices and go to their extremes, like a capitalist society where there's no intervention from the, from the society, from the government at all, then in that case, it would uh, quickly collapse under the, under the issue of, uh, of uh, inequality because you would have a, a great concentration of wealth on one side. On, on a few hands and inequality is not is, is never a good way of of organizing society and then the other way where state own, owns everything like we have seen in uh, those communist countries then it, it would falter uh, because uh, uh, it would it would create a very very uh, large bureaucracy uh, you cannot plan everything and all these uh, big structures they tend to be to be corrupted and to be ineffective and then it would it would, uh, it would falter because it would uh, it would fail to to produce the necessary uh, mm. mean, uh, means of uh, i mean con consumption uh, items of consumption that the population needs which was the case of of uh, ussr so that's why i say that a healthy mix between the two which is the social democratic way is the, the 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 best way the third way they call it in germany for example or in or in sweden that's so funny because here neoliberalism is the third way compared to other countries that's why i also wanted to talk about too we kind of we covered the economics part really well mm -hmm. i want to compare um just just governments um for example, you know, countries like Germany have a proportionality of voting system with Bundestag, 
uh, instead, of, and they have a mixture of first past the post too, which anyone who doesn't know that they put up candidates in a certain district and they all run against each other. But people in Germany are also able to vote for a specific party too, if they like a party's proposal over a certain candidate. Um, do you, yes. you've, you've written extensively about uh, American politics in Europe. Um, do you know like how people feel about uh, American system and kind of like more federalism than certain uh, European states and uh, kind of the divided branches of government? Also, if you can touch on the Supreme Court too, uh, that would be great uh, as well. Now, now uh, uh, on that, I would say, uh, Michael, that uh, uh, for Americans, uh, Americans have, uh, I think, a very uh, narrow meaning of all these issues because they think that uh, Amer American democracy is the most successful. Now, uh, what can I say about American democracy? I would say that it has been really successful because of that, of, it, of its longevity, right? It has been the same system since uh, more than 250 years. So it has been successful in uh, uh, being always uh, uh, the, the se separation of powers have been, has been very successful or the, uh, uh, the one, uh, sorry, I wanted to say that uh, when the power uh, uh, goes from one party to the other. It has been successful so far until the last election that you know. So it has been successful in these uh, in these aspects, and it has been always uh, the one which has uh, promoted democracy in these other countries. But these other countries have a different system because they uh, they are they uh, have uh, the so-called parliamentary systems which there are a great number of parties, not only two, like in the United States. So there are many groups who can find their expression or their identity in those smaller parties, which with good uh, organizing and the, with good campaigning, then can, they can get, uh, they can get uh, members in, 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 their, in their parliaments. And that's that's how the 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 power is separated. And as long as the separation of powers between the three branches, they have that one too. There's, it's not that the, it's not existing in Europe. Like lots of people here think that uh, only America has the separation of powers. That's not true. Mm -hmm. They they have they have a clear separation of power uh, in their constitutions between the executive, legislative, and, and judiciary. So I would say that uh, that has allowed the uh, European systems to create that more healthy mix between the, the individual factor and the collective factor. Now, you know that the right-wing parties in Europe always put the emphasis on the individual uh, initiative and the left-wing parties uh, push, uh, I mean, put their emphasis on a, a collective control. I mean, uh, just for the, to, 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 to protect the, the, the society from the excesses of, the, of those 
free free market initiative of individual in initiatives and i think this is healthy and this is this is the shown by the good uh, indicators that they all have if you see if you see the rankings of uh, all uh, human development indexes that uh, experts have devised for so long you see always that uh, uh, northern european countries uh, germany uh, or even canada australia new zealand they are they always come on top and the reason i say is that it, they have that healthy mix between the two mm -hmm. and and one uh, very important factor that i should not uh, omit to to emphasize is that they, they do not see the government in general as an alien body. The conception here in America, I'm, I have been very, very surprised by that when I started to, to, to delve into American politics, mm. is that Americans have a very uh, not favorable uh, consideration of, 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 of their government. Now, if we stay with the famous uh, definition that President Lincoln uh, said in uh, mentioned in, in Gettysburg Address, government uh, from the people, for the people, and by the people, then we should not have this, this hostile view of the government, like it's out there to get us. And this is, this is a, re a real a a root of the problem for, for American politics, because you see, you you see uh, anything that the government does, you see it with a, with an hostile eye. And this doesn't ha doesn't happen in Europe. They say, okay, we we vote the government in. We don't like it. Then next time we we vote it out. And there are these other uh, competitors who are who are ready to to get in. So there's nothing nothing nefarious about about that like it, it it's 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 seen here i mean you you yeah. see you see you see all this uh, uh, ideas that circulate here like oh yeah the government big government socialism so uh, government is going to take us towards it's we we are going to inch towards the the the, the abyss of socialism if if government does this or that or the, if government grows or if government takes over healthcare. No, it, it has never happened. And right. that's why I say that uh, the, 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 best, the best guarantee is to have, to have a healthy mix uh, between, between the two. Yeah, I mean, just, just to add one quick thing would be the, a rebuttal for some Americans out here. I'm sure some of our audience mm. is thinking like, We've had Amazon headquarter here, Facebook, Google. Mm -hmm. We've had some of the fastest uh, growing and biggest companies in the world uh, compared to European or Canada oh. or Australia or New Zealand. And we've kind of also seen too with countries like Germany, granted, they have their own problems with, you know, reunification and stuff like that. But we've seen globalization kind of sweep up America a little bit differently than some of these other countries that have a little bit smaller economies, just because the Clinton administration and other neoliberal administrations that have kind of, you know, 
shipped jobs out of America and they kind of left behind by those people on more of the left per se who used government policy to kind of ship those jobs away so I don't know what what your answer to that kind of resentment is that also plays into populism and also as you probably written about faith too so faith faith as well but i mean uh, now the, the role of faith is a little bit uh, uh, separate and uh, special here in america because you don't have that uh, identification with uh, uh, christian faith uh, in europe uh, european right. christians for example uh, i know that very well uh, they don't tend to 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 favor just one party like it's here mm. they vote they vote on issues this time they say they they might see that the 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 right the right wing on one of the conservative uh, candidates is uh, it's better for uh, issues that they care the most the next time they vote for the for the more uh, liberal uh, side because they they see that their his issues i mean their issues are uh, more close to the one that the uh, christian voter cares the most but here is only every uh, every everybody who is supposed to be christian has to vote republican only and this is the this is a, a defect this is a fault i would say of uh, of american politics which has a great role in polarizing the political landscape right we have the bipartisan really plays into that i mean the bipartisan or rather the partisanship i should say um, you know where people kind of feel like it's a real yes Mm -hmm. yeah if if they feel like you know one side is the only side that's going to get what they want it ends up being you know what we see today where things become more and more polarized and 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 as we're on the very much so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and, and and as the topic uh, of elections, as we were discussing just a few minutes ago, I wanted to bring up, you know, in America, obviously, we had a Supreme Court case, Citizens United, and ever since then, there's been a lot, lot looser restrictions on how much money corporations can uh, funnel into candidates and and uh, you know campaigns, and we'd love to hear your take on. Uh, what you think of uh, in comparison to like European elections with American mm-hmm. elections, just how much money is being funneled into them uh, by outside yes. entities. Uh, now, this is this is a well-known fact that uh, the role of uh, money in American politics is really, really oversized. It's 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 overwhelming, and you don't find that in uh, in Europe. In most in European of European countries, or even in, in Australia. Uh, uh, campaigns are uh, are financed with public funds. There is there is there are rules for to use private money. I mean, they use private money also, but never in those uh, dimensions that we find it here. And this uh, this skews, I would say, uh, everything. Uh, it's it's a it's a big. Uh, uh, drawback for American democracy. And this is one of the reasons why American democracy doesn't rank very high on the those uh, dem- uh, functioning of democracy indexes uh, that are uh, issued by different uh, international organizations, uh, for example. 
Uh, and one of those, one of the main reasons why America doesn't uh, rank high is uh, the outsized influence of, of money in politics. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a real problem. And also another issue with uh, American democracy is the lack of uh, a real competitivity in, in uh, most of the districts because of the uh, notorious uh, tool gerrymandering, which is called gerrymandering, as you know. So uh, it, it, I think it's a, it's a, it's a big draw, drawback on, on our democracy that 90% of all of those districts are not competitive at all. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not that you are uh, each, each time you have, you have two candidates and they are going to be judged on their own merits of what they are saying, right? Mm -hmm. No, you would have 90% of those candidates, they are, they are sure they, they are sure they, they, they will, they will win no matter who is uh, presented as a candidate in that particular district, for example. If it's a blue district, then you know the Democrat will always win. If it's mm -hmm. a red district, you know the Republican will always win. So there is no real competition. And this is also a drawback on American democracy. If we could fix that issue of gerrymandering, I'd see, I, I think it would be a great, great uh, progress for uh, the way our our democracy uh, functions, but I don't I, I haven't seen any any serious proposals to to end the gerrymandering <laughs> because obviously both yeah. parties like it. Right. I mean, so, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent that that's that's a that's a big issue. In terms it, of, it, you know, it is it is quality. a big issue. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and um, that's 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 a, that's a real problem. For sure. And then just like uh, if I could offer an example, you know, Michael and I live in the state of New York and for uh, past, I don't even know how long it's been a Democrat run uh, government. It's been, you know, and, and it's very obvious, like I live in a red district. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you feel like you don't want to bother voting for your local congressperson because, you know, you know who's going to win, you know, and, exactly. and I think that's a big problem with a lot of. And in Illinois is the same. Right. Yeah. In Illinois. Uh... Uh, we know that uh, Illinois can never go red. So right. it, uh, it basically, uh, you know, it, it, it takes away the, the, the value of, of, of our vote. It, it's right. not really one person, one vote, as the slogan goes, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. Right. Hi, we hope that you're enjoying our interview with Dr. Nasto. Before we continue on, we'd like to take a moment to thank another sponsor of ours, ClickUp. ClickUp is a dynamic tool that allows businesses to organize and manage their priorities more efficiently. When you use our link in the description of this episode to join ClickUp, you give the podcast a nice boost by just creating a free account. Let me say that again. We get money for every free account made through the link, so please join ClickUp today. All right. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. So I'm wondering... Dr. Nasto, do you think uh, publicly financed campaigns would be the better option, or do you think uh, just no no corporate money at all? And um, also, what what kind of third parties would you like to see in America? I mean, have have you been following the House Speaker vote? Uh, 
Yes. There's been, you know, the Republican Party is kind of split in half. And in my honest opinion, I'm I'm really not on the same page with Hakeem Jeffries of when, especially when it comes to his economic tilt towards the center when I lean more to the left and am a social Democrat. So I'm just wondering, what do you, what do you think we do there specifically? Uh, now, uh, it's interesting, uh, Michael, because uh, America has, has a very uh, peculiar history of those third parties. It's mm -hmm. not that they have been uh, always absent. Uh, you have you had, for example, the 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 so-called uh, American Party in the in the eighteen sixties. Uh, they they were they were really powerful, and uh, they came to be known as the Know Nothing Party, because they were instructed that if uh, you are asked about any activities that you you guys are uh, are involved with, you have to say. I don't know. I, I don't know anything. No, I, I know nothing about that. So that's that's how they, they became the known as the party of know nothings. And they were quite powerful, but they, they didn't go very far because the, the issue in, in America with third parties has always been this. Uh, third parties have always uh, tended to be organized uh, around uh, a single issue. And then when they once they achieve some success with that then that issue is adopted by one or the other of the two main parties and that has been the fate of of basically all all the third party third parties attempts uh, you had the you had the, the famous uh, bull moose uh, party in 1912 under uh, Theodore Roosevelt, who, who was not happy with, uh, he didn't get the nomination again from the Republican Party, so he split, and he ran as an independent with the Bull and Moose, uh, Bull and Moose, yes, uh, party, or the, the Progressive Party. And then the, those issues of the Progressive, they were adopted by, by the Republican and Democrats, and then so they went away. The same with the uh, uh, who was later? Uh, Ross Perot was the most uh, most recent uh, example in history. Yeah, I mean he was very popular, mm -hmm. but right. then uh, his issues uh, went away. I mean the the Reform Party is still there, but it's not it, it's not making yeah. mu much noise in, uh, I in think, the American yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. but but in my opinion, it would be really really good if our political uh, uh, organization allowed more space for those third parties because yeah. people would have a real uh, more real competition and it would have it would have uh, we would have lots of people who would really find a home because now you have uh, many people in the center who don't find a home neither with right. the republicans or the democrats because both have gone far to the extremes so the center is uh, is homeless, basically, politically. Right. And That's I would I say, I would say, uh, I would add a last thing that, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, a center party or a center right party would have lots of uh, success here. Yeah. Uh, similar to the old uh, Christian Democratic parties of mm. of Europe. 
which were very, very important in building the success of uh, European countries after after World War Two. Right. Uh, it's uh, that's that's how it is. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't even see how uh, the system can allow for a third party to be to be su successful. Yeah, right. I, I don't I don't see it so far. And on the topic of, you know, the, the left and right, both kind of becoming more and more extreme, uh, that kind of brings us to, you know, populism, uh, either on the left and the right, do you think that poses a serious threat we should pay attention to in America? Uh, yes, because the populist has have that uh, tendency of uh, making a lot of noise when they, when, when they are in, in opposition. But then, when they when they get to to, to govern, they don't uh, offer much of an alternative. They go. Uh, I think they go more. They they want uh, they want to basically to overthrow the system as it is. So this could this this could be good or bad. Now, if you don't if you don't have an an alternative in place. Then it becomes a, a bad thing to to just to to say things that that uh, that appeal to to the people are just one or two issues which are really really uh, important. For example, and then uh, ignore that when you are uh, you are governing, and it's always uh, it will it always uh, be a factor in. Uh, more polarization because we saw that with uh, with the Trump movement. Right. The Trump movement was a typical uh, populist movement, and uh, you know uh, what what caused for the for the Republican Party. We we are still seeing that now. Uh, let me add let me add here something uh, which I think is interesting. In the 2016 election, we saw. The, the rise of populist candidates from both sides. Why? Because I think the people saw that the system, the existing system, was not working for, for them. And basically, when when this was seen, it was seen uh, with the, how the crisis of uh, two thousand eight was managed. Right. Yeah. With 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 a way. Uh, Obama administration administered the crisis. Uh, let uh, everybody understand or see clearly that the system was not working for them. Not at all. No. You had the rescue of Wall Street, but you don't. You didn't have any rescue for Main Street. Mm -hmm. There was only one study at that time. Uh, it was, I believe, by the Boston Federal Reserve which was a very, uh, very detailed and concrete plan how to help Main Street. And then uh, it went nowhere. Nobody talked about it. Also, they saw that, uh, uh, I mean, people can understand that, okay, the banks had to be rescued because we could not risk the collapse of the whole system. Okay, we are fine then. Don't, the, the the banks had had to 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 be rescued, so no no accountability for the banks. But right. uh, what people didn't understand was why no accountability for the bankers, 
which were the originators of all this. And yeah. this made everybody see clearly that the system was not working for them. And then you had those two populist movements. Then on one side, Trump managed to, to defeat the establishment. On the other side, Sanders was defeated by his establishment. But the, 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 the main uh, very, very interesting difference between the two, if you remember, was that Trump uh, overcame the, the establishment not with policy, but with an attitude. Mm -hmm. Just calling names to everybody. Everybody was an enemy. Everybody is out to get you. I will be the savior, et cetera, et cetera. You, you, you remember the language. Right. Yeah. Whereas Sanders, he was a populist also, but he, uh, uh, he opposed the establishment with concrete policies. I mean, you can you can you can call them good or bad, but they were concrete policies. They were they were concrete proposals, mm -hmm. yeah. and that and that we, we, we know the rest for what, what happened. Yeah. So that's the the that's the the, the danger of, of populism. I actually I wanted to circle back to your point about uh, Ross Perot. I think mm -hmm. that's really I think Ross Perot is actually the case against having multiple parties. And I want to I want to take some things you said. And kind of make some comparisons. Mm -hmm. I think Ross Perot and his movement has more than 50%. But when you ask the question about abortion, when you ask the question about Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. you see you see you see his coalition break apart. And that's kind of the same coalition you'd see with the far right and the far left. They might agree on some things to tame down Washington. But when you ask those cultural questions, they kind of break apart. And I wanted Ooh. to touch on you said you said in 2008 Obama there was no there was no accountability for the bankers and the people on main street kind of got left out and yes. the case that would make for you there is that um Hillary Clinton did not work with Bernie at all Joe Biden in 2020 actually reached out to Bernie actually he didn't pass $15 but he adopted it into his platform Hillary did not um oh. he did the American rescue plan which got people checks which extended the eviction moratorium, a lot of stuff that was on Bernie's platform. Uh, Bernie ended up being the budget committee chairman. Uh, he wasn't in the cabinet. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who supports Bernie, but I can see the arguments kind of against why also a third party to practicality wise in America is just tough because if the Democrat, if the Democrats split into a third party, then Republicans win, win, win. That's what we saw with, um, Bill Clinton when Ross Perot ran. Mm -hmm. That's what we saw with Woodrow Wilson way back in the day. But uh, I I just, you know, it's really hard to, especially with Citizens United the way it is, like, and the way the Supreme Court is now, nothing's going to change. So it kind of makes me a little pessimistic to the whole third party movement. But I, be I believe the, the most uh, logical way forward for a third party would be for both uh, centers to to leave the parties and to get under the umbrella of a of a centrist party which would have right-wing democrats and left-wing republicans if you want if i mean if, if it makes sense mm -hmm. you you see what i'm saying right yeah um, but this, this would be difficult yes yeah and uh, those would be the people who are not prone to see the members i mean or the their their political opponents as enemies mm. because those people 
exist in both extremes, which don't want any comp compromise and see everybody else as an existential threat. And there are people in the in the middle who do not see that, who see their political opponents as just political opponents, not not existential enemies. Mm -hmm. Which you see, which is the language that we we, we hear today everywhere. Right. If this party wins, then it's the end of America. Yeah. Or if this, if this other party wins, then, then yes, that's the end of America as we know it. Yeah. We, we don't need that language. Yeah. But that's what uh, what, ge what gets traction. I mean, uh, then you have to go to the role of social media, which is a disaster on, the, on, that, on that side. But uh, th that's where we are. And that's why I say that it's a centrist party with both centers would be the best way forward. But uh, I mean, how viable or how possible, feasible is that? Yeah. I cannot say. Right. right. I mean, I social, like you said, social security, Medicare, we think about uh, the Christian Democrat platform that you kind of laid out mm -hmm. earlier those things pull remarkably well in America. Yes, but I they think, do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it it's just, uh, the thing is, though, when you get into Congress, there's just different members, even people in the Democratic Party who will say socialized medicine is a is a one-way road to a communist, Marxist, Leninist, you fill in the blank state. Well, yeah, but that's, so, that, that's why I mentioned it. It, yeah. that, that language gets us nowhere. Mm -hmm. Because they would say that this is this is the way they would say that we get to a communist dictatorship. Now, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is that it's simply that it has never happened in the history of the world. There are no cases <laughs> of this. I mean, it was the same discourse when uh, uh, Reagan, I think, in 1965 or uh, around there, he was talking about. Uh, uh, the the great uh, danger of uh, adopting uh, Medicare, and they, he he expressly said, Medicare is one step towards uh, big uh, government socialism, and if we do this today, he said at that time, then uh, we would uh, watch our uh, grandchildren. Uh, talk about the past and see hey, what happened to our great country. So there would, there would be no more, no more America, basically, if we adopted Medicare. So you see, you see, it has been always the same discourse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they say they, uh, it, it was the same thing with uh, uh, the famous death panels of, uh, of Sarah Palin, right? In 2009. It would be a it would be a, a big step towards a oh yeah government taking over everything affordable care act yeah affordable care act yes mm -hmm. so this I mean this all these things uh, seem or uh, sound very incomprehensible to our uh, European yeah I mean observers or or whoever takes an interest in in uh, in American politics, they cannot understand those why it's such a divisive issue to get 
to get uh, health care for everybody. Right. It's, 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 it's not comprehensible. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say that uh, this, uh, this way of presenting that uh, everything that the government does or everything that the government, every, every intervention, I would say, of the government in the economic uh, domain is uh, a step towards uh, socialism which is not true. It has never happened. I mean, the, you can say that uh, any political system can gravitate towards another or can be transformed in any other. But this is not, this is not, this is not only uh, the, in, in the battle between capitalism and socialism or democracy and, and dictatorship. Any, anything can happen. But to, 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 to say that uh, we know that we will end up there because we see we see uh, Cambodia, we we see Venezuela, we see all these uh, absurd, uh, absurd uh, examples from the past. No, they are not related at all. There is no relation. So we have never seen an example of a successful Western democracy going that way and ending up in that socialist abyss by the by government taking over bits and pieces gradually of of the of the national economy we haven't seen that yeah i'd i'd also love to ask you about uh, free speech really quickly um i know in america we're kind of like civil liberties this also comes up too with uh, guns which mm -hmm. is a lot different in europe too Yes. But with with free speech, what do you what do you think about the notion that um, Section 230, which allows corporations kind of free reign over their speech and kind of this, you know, the fear of the government coming to get you when it comes to matters of free speech and our First Amendment rights in this country? How how are they different from other countries in Europe? Mm. Lots of European countries have a very good record of uh, protecting free speech, even without having a so-called First Amendment. But in their constitutions, the right to free speech is announced, is, is, is proclaimed, and they really are successful in protecting it. So it's not uh, by chance that uh, most of those countries, as I said, Norway, uh, Denmark, etc., Germany, rank higher than United States in even in the free speech uh, issue. Yeah, and they rank trial. higher. Right. So yeah. they they must be doing something right, even with uh, with that uh, uh, absence of a of a constitutional amendment about about free speech but it is in their in their laws in their in their constitution so there's nothing i don't see anything different in this in this area between uh, america and the other western type countries because they all praise or they all uh, support the the right of people to 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 free speech now if it, it can take it can be taken uh, too far yes 
but the what's happening in in america with with twitter basically i think it has been a, a debacle mm -hmm. and in that in that issue i'm uh, i would say i'm more on the free free speech side because i would say that the the speech cannot be cannot be curtailed is the basis for the it has been the basis for the success of the of the western world so far so yeah. Uh, you have you must you must have the right to offend uh, no matter no matter whom mm. so you cannot be your speech cannot be curtailed because somebody gets offended but what you by what you said in twitter and this has gone out of proportions here and i i really regret this mm. it, it's it's not it's 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 not sustainable. I I, I believe people would, would would get really really uh, angry and uh, would would revolt and they are revolting against against that. I mean, who who is Twitter to 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 check what we what we say? Who who gave that uh, that right to to Jack Dorsey, for example? Right. Nobody. Do you, do you think hmm? that a better alternative or or an alternative to that? To kind of fix that problem would be like a, a government run platform like that or do you what would you think would be a good solution uh, a good solution would be i i think alex that uh, you would be you have to be extremely careful on the instances of speech that you would uh, ban hmm. i mean you would ban uh, obviously, like everybody else does, uh, open uh, incitement of violence. Yes, okay. Right. But you could not ban uh, what uh, Twitter is banning today or yesterday before before Elon Musk took over. Hmm? Mm. Uh, different, uh, different views on uh, vaccination, different views on uh, different... Uh, identity groups right you cannot criticize any of those uh, identity groups or the so-called underprivileged uh, under represented groups because uh, because this is uh, because if you criticize them then you are oppressor you are colonizer you are racist or whatnot you 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 know what i'm talking about yeah. and this in this aspect i see i say i say uh, america has gone too far i mean mm -hmm. the, and our left has gone too far on that and this this is not sustainable that's yeah. why we need to we need to we need to pull back on that i yeah i i agree especially when it comes to cancel culture yes that's kind of that's what differentiates us from uh russia or from other countries um that you said have gone way too far on the other side i wanted to touch on too with free speech uh kind of counter-terrorism efforts and also the way like police uses it i know like in germany they successfully thwarted the um attack on uh, olaf schultz and the foreign the german prince that they were yeah gonna... they they got one they, of those uh Mm -hmm. yeah groups they have yes. the right over there to take your tablet and take your iphone and look at it and be able to invade your house 
without a search warrant. And a lot of Americans are scared about that, right? I I mean, I've seen the, the data on Germany when it comes to crime. They have a much lower crime rate than America. They actually have more police officers per capita than America does. So sometimes... I don't I'm I'm just saying this for myself sometimes I see more government almost kind of even in that realm being a good thing I don't know if you'd want to touch on that mm, now uh, I personally would be scared if the government had the right to to seize uh, my personal property my my tablet or my phone without uh, a warrant basically so i i think is a is too big of an intrusion and also we ha we have to keep in mind the traditions of ev of every country right now if germans are happy with that then okay is is their government that's that that's they they have uh, decided to 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 manage their their own affairs Mm -hmm. You cannot say, I don't think that the, by, by giving examples of those, I mean, those separate or separate examples or, or special examples, you can say that which country is freer or less free. Mm. It's, it's you, you, to, to, to measure the, the, the uh, degree of freedom in a society, you need lots and lots of uh, in the indexes and indicators yeah and they are they are always being measured you have reports being put out by freedom house by economist intelligence unit and they all place those countries uh, very high in individual liberties mm -hmm. even if in that case that you mentioned the government has the right to, to confiscate your your phone but okay, this is not uh, in uh, in accordance with uh, America's tradition. So okay, it cannot be done here. We we will we'll find another. We have to find another way of of, of protecting the the people about that. But uh, on the issue of guns, then that's where I think the big difference uh, is, uh, a big difference big difference is uh, present between uh, America and European countries. And this comes all from history, in my opinion. Mm. It, it's 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 is the is the history of uh, of American Revolution of American development, how America was established, that has uh, made this country so so prone to to to, to violence mm. and to to resolve everything by uh, by the barrel of, of a gun, basically. Yeah. Like Mao said. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, like, like like Mao said. Yes, but no, it was true because, for example, if you if you uh, I mean, you you are very aware that the American Revolution was the only modern uh, big upheaval or big revolution in America in in modern history, which ended well. Mm. There has been no other examples. Right. I mean, the French one ended in a bloodshed. Mm -hmm. uh, the Russian one ended even worse mm -hmm. in those uh, in, in tragedies for uh, so many millions of people, among them my little Albania, you know. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, 
because of the great success of uh, of American Revolution in in this in, in in this aspect, I would say that's why Americans believe that oh yeah, violence can be justified. Uh, mm -hmm. Violence can can uh, can uh, resolve problems, and also the role of the militias. I mean, it's true that the 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 revolution was started by the by those uh, militias. Mm -hmm. I mean, citizens, uh, citizens, citizen soldiers. But uh, everybody then tends to forget that uh, the the war was won not by the militias, but the Continental Army mm. with 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 uh, its uh, French allies. So by the regular army. But people tend to 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 forget that, and they say, "Oh yeah, you see the role the role of uh, uh, citizen soldier. Yeah, we can. So that's why we need to be armed to 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 protect our against the government because it it can become tyrannical, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But that, that, we touched on that when we said that uh, in a, in a democracy you don't have to fear that much the government if 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 you are if you if you live in a in a through democratic uh, system, right? But it, it's come from from history, so that's what yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, speaking of Albania, we'd love for you to talk about you know the communist regime in America or in Albania and like you know how America was kind of accepted there with open arms. Now uh, Albania, uh, Alex was a very interesting case in the Eastern Bloc because. Uh, it was part of the Eastern Bloc between 1945 and 1990. It, uh, it had actually the, what was considered the harshest uh, communist dictatorship in Europe. Albanian leaders were so uh, Stalin loving, if I, if I would say, that they made during the, their 45 years in, in power, they made three breaks with their mentors only because their mentors were getting away from the Stalinist uh, model. This happened with the Yugoslavs in 1948. The Yugoslav communists wanted to, to get rid of, the, of, of Stalin uh, control and they wanted to be friends with uh, the West. So the Albanians, in that big split in communist uh, uh, movement, they went with the Soviets because they were still Stalinist in, in, in some sense, you know? Mm -hmm. And right. then in 1961, they did the same. They broke with the Soviet communists to, to ally themselves with the, with the Chinese communists because uh, the Soviets were getting away from, they, they were de-Stalinizing. De 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 if it makes sense, hmm? getting away right. from the Stalin model of uh, of dictatorship, yeah, and uh, the Chinese were staying there. And then uh, when the Chinese did the same in 1978, the Albanians broke with the Chinese also, accusing them of being too friendly to the Americans, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, opening to the to imperialism, etc. So mm -hmm. they stayed uh, the outpost of Stalinism in Europe until 1990. There were no, no rights at all of the people. Everything was owned by the government, not, no private property. 
but still uh, it was interesting about the view of uh, of america in uh, among albanian people because uh, the whole uh, admiration for america uh, originated in the great role of president wilson after the peace conference of versailles after mm. world war one among his 14 uh, points uh, he uh, said that he was in favor of uh, those small ethnic groups to 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 be self-determining to be independent mm -hmm. and that's what uh, uh, albanian the albanian national movement at that time saw as a big support for their for their issue and since that time albanian people remained very very admiring very uh, american loving even in uh, during the communist uh, era where the propaganda was america it was was a great satan it was the enemy of all peoples of the world etc etc but in the same time everybody was listening to the voice of america believe it or not believe it or not hmm. so they knew what uh, what america was and we had also italian television which uh, was our only window to the west mm -hmm. if you want and we saw how the the west system worked and we know we 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 knew that america was the the great sustainer of the western democracies so that's why we <laughs> we loved america so much awesome. historically yeah very cool and then uh, uh, in 1991, uh, Secretary of State James Baker visited Tirana for the first time after the fall of communism. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge meeting. I mean, a huge welcoming, welcome rally for him. And he was really, really flabbergasted because he didn't, didn't expect that. And he had never seen that anywhere mm -hmm. except, except in Tirana. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and the same thing ha happened with uh, President Bush in 2007. Huh. <laughs> it was, so, it was, huh? sorry. I was going to say, so like, you know, that's, that's a fascinating uh, contrast between the government's position and the, the, you know, the, the ideas of the people. Yes, yes, because, because as I said, of those historical reasons. Mm. Hmm? As I said, uh, I mean, the government was all anti-Western, but the people who were seeing how the, the, Western, the Western society lived through the window, as I said, of the Italian television. Right. So that's, what, that's how the, the link was made between that Western success and uh, America as its great, as, as its uh, sustainer and, and leader of, of, the, of the free world. And that's uh, how Albanians always uh, kept that uh, that love for for America. Awesome. Well, I think we're about ready to start wrapping up, uh, Michael. If you have anything else you'd like to add, and Dr. Nasto as well. Yeah, I'd I'd love to uh, ask you quickly. You kind of got into some foreign policy there. What do you think about um, the war in Ukraine right now, and currently uh, America's role, and also. Uh, nato's role and kind of um are european countries uh paying their fair share as we americans uh look at it uh first of all i would say <clears throat> michael that uh, 
the war in Ukraine should have never happened. It was a big failure of diplomacy for both sides. Mm. And I say, I would say that uh, no matter how you, no matter what you say about uh, NATO, the role of NATO, the role of uh, Putin in this uh, in this mess, I would say that uh, it should have been uh, handled diplomatically, and I don't. I don't really understand why uh, uh, a solution could not have been uh, found about the issue of uh, NATO going, uh, I mean, progressing or uh, progressing through the East. I don't know why Ukraine had to be welcomed into NATO and why not Ukraine could not have uh, had the status like, uh, let's say, Finland, hmm. a country, a natural, a neutral country with a with a very democratic system, very advanced democratic system, but not allied with anyone. Hmm. That that was the status of Finland during Cold War. So I don't know why Ukraine could not have enjoyed such a status, and that was the big failure. Now, how much uh, Americans were involved in the in what happened in Ukraine in 2014, etc. This is a very complicated issue, but I would say that uh, where we stand today, it looks like uh, that war cannot have a good um, outcome for anybody, mm. because I, I I cannot I cannot imagine how uh, Russia would accept uh, a Ukra Ukrainian victory, which they would, would see as a Western victory, basically, right? Even if Ukraine manages to, to get back all the territories that they had before the war, we are not talking about the two uh, Donbass rep republics, because the Ukrainians didn't have them between 14 and uh, and 22 right mm -hmm. but let's say that the ukraine get uh, got everything that they had before uh, the war started this this latest war started so uh, i cannot see how the russian leadership would justify that to its own people yeah I so mean, it's 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 an impasse. I I don't think anybody has a has a satisfactory answer on that. Mm -hmm. What I read about uh, what uh, Europeans say, they say that okay, we will we will we will resist. We'll continue to to make sacrifices this winter, and uh, even if uh, we don't have the Russian uh, gas anymore will buy it from, uh, and they are buying it from, from the United States, that's true. But uh, how it ends well for everybody, I, I don't see. And it, it has been re a real, real uh, unfortunate thing. And uh, it has been a, a colossal failure of, of diplomacy. Do yeah. you think nuclear war is a serious consideration there? Uh, no, that's that's a sixty-four million dollar question. But mm. I would say I would say only this: that if 
you if you force uh, a nuclear power into a corner that's a very bad situation mm. because they can do anything even the unthinkable right the great uh, chinese uh, uh, strategist and uh, war theorician sun tzu said this in in one of his treaties if your uh, opponent your enemy is retreat is retreating is withdrawing then you go and build for them a golden bridge so you create everything that they need to retreat you don't force them into a corner and if we force russia into a corner i i don't know what uh, what can happen but anything can happen i think it, it's a it's a very dangerous situation what can we say i mean the the, the attack on on ukraine was totally un, unjustified i mean putin is causing really really great suffering there not only for ukrainians for his own for his own people as well so it's 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 a bad situation all all around so mm -hmm. i i don't know how to to be optimistic on, on on that well said yeah so i think that about does it for this episode uh you know dr nasso thank you once again for being here we really enjoyed having you and having a great discussion thank you thank you guys if you enjoyed the episode, please consider following the Understanding Politics podcast wherever you listen. It's free of cost to you and your support helps out the channel a lot. We'll see you next episode.